The call for proposals for Voice Summit 2020 is available now. Having the opportunity to speak at Voice Summit will be highly competitive this year. So if you'd like the chance to be a speaker at this year's event, fill out the form at voicesummit.ai and click on Apply to Speak. Proposals are only open until January 31st, so be sure to get yours in now. That's voicesummit.ai and click on Apply to Speak. Inside Voice podcast listeners, this is your co-host, Carrie Roberts, and today is our one-year anniversary of the Inside Voice podcast. We are so excited. This podcast is an extension of Voice Summit, and our focus is on bringing you educational and innovative content in the voice technology world from the entire voice community. That's everyone involved from every element of voice from all backgrounds all over the world. And in honor of our one-year anniversary, we are excited to announce our first Inside Voice Podcast Awards. We wanted to honor our guests, the content, and the community by sharing with you nine category winners deserving of recognition based on their episode on this show. These nine were chosen based on three things. First, the amount of times their episode was downloaded. Second, how much online social interaction their episode received based on the amount of likes, comments, shares, and interaction. And third was based off of some of the Voice Summit team members making the final decisions. Every single person that has contributed to this podcast as a guest, as a listener, and to everyone who supports Voice Summit and continues to push the boundaries of voice technology and educate others in the space, we thank you. Now for our winners of this year's Inside Voice Podcast Awards, which receive recognition on this show, on the Voice Summit blog, and on the Voice Summit social channels. For best episode on UX design is Micah Copens with putting the U in UX design. I love the passion Micah brings and her push for inclusivity in voice. She breaks down exactly how to do that from a UX perspective in this episode. When you think when you're doing website design or things of that nature, but you're saying in voice again, not so specific to a particular person, but more as you talked about earlier, this feeling. Yeah, exactly. And you can create adhesion to your brand using sound design, using quirky sounds that people recognize or very specific sounds that people recognize would recognize in the road. In France, we have the National Railway. They have this sound that goes dun, 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 dun. Well, forget, like, forgive my sinning. But anyway, everybody knows when they hear that sound. Okay, that's the SNCF. That's the National French Railway. It doesn't say, hello, I'm this person, train conductor, 45 years old, always been on the train, white male, etc., etc. It's a sound that's yes. tied into a brand. When doing a tone of voice, it's the same thing. You can have an enthusiast vocabulary. You can have enthusiast intonation. You can have all of that without saying it is a male, a female, white, black, yellow, whatever color, this genre, this specific thing always happy-go-lucky person because that excludes so, so many Mm -hmm. people. So that doesn't mean that you're designing for everyone. It just means that you are not stigmatizing into a persona. You give it a personality without giving it a personification, which is not the same thing. Yes, wait, I want to stop you. You just said 
You give it a personality without a personification. Is that what you just said? Exactly that. Yes. That I think anyone listening, this is huge. And I think this is even beyond voice. For best episode on voice developer content is Roger Kibbe with Samsung Bixby, what's new and how to get involved. Roger breaks down the three new ways Samsung has designed software in a creative and useful way and how Samsung is encouraging developers to get involved to bring their own creativity. Voice discovery is a developing process that everyone is trying to work on. How does Bixby do this in a unique way with what you call natural language categories? Yeah, so natural language categories is another feature that we just announced at SDC last week. And really the idea here is to break away from what we call them dispatch names, Alexa calls them invocation names. But this is the whole idea, ask voice app name to do something. You know, and the real challenge in the industry is I don't remember that invocation dispatch name or invocation name. And so discoverability is really hard. And even when I discover something and enable it, I often will forget uh, what was the name of that, right? It's not like a phone where I have a screen and you find the icon for it. So what natural language categories is, is enabling a capsule to directly answer a user's query. So a third-party developed capsule could directly answer a user's request of Bixby. And why we call it categories is this is split up into multiple different categories. Uh, we announced 14 last week, and there's many, many more coming. Everything from cooking, the ride share, and, and several others. To best explain this, let me, let me give you the use case that actually works right now. You can try it with right now, is to use ride share, the ride share category. So if I say, ask Bixby, ask Bixby, and I say, I need a ride to the airport, Bixby will pop up and say, hey, do you want to use Uber or Lyft? So those are two third-party capsules. And so I can select, I want Uber or Lyft. And then it asks you, well, would you like to make one your default? So if I make my default, if I say, let's say I choose Lyft as my default. From then on, when I say, hey, Bixby, I need a ride to the airport, or I need a ride to this business, or I need a ride home, then the Lyft capsule will automatically open and help me book that ride. Now, if I wanted to switch back to Uber, there's a setting. So it's your preferred capsule for the rideshare category. I could switch that to Uber, and then Uber would be the one that answers. Or um, let's say Lyft is my default but I want to use Uber for some reason. I can always use Uber, but I have to go to the kind of, I'll call it old school dispatch name and say, hey, ask Uber for a ride to the airport. So really what this does is puts third-party capsules in the position of first-party capsules. So in other words, your third-party capsule can basically take over uh, that category of conversations with Bixby, and you can just ask it something directly. And we think this is pretty darn revolutionary and really going to help solve that discoverability problem because, you know, saying ask voice app name to do, that's not really very natural way to doing something. I want to just ask it to do something. Ask it for a ride to the airport. Ask it for a recipe. Ask, you know, there's a million things you can ask it. But as a user, I want control. I prefer Lyft over Uber. Others may prefer the opposite. Or I have a particular in travel, right? I have a particular 
airline I like to use or a travel agency I like to use, et cetera, et cetera. So we give the power to the user to make their choice. This is the capsule I'd like to be as the default. And that empowers the user and personalizes it for the user. And then for the third party, for developers, it's awesome because if the user chooses theirs, then Bixby is automatically going to answer any questions or queries for that particular category that we call their capsules enrolled into. For best voice marketing episode is Vixen Labs, Pragmatic Digital, and Labworks.io with Marketing for Voice. This was a panel my co-host James Poulter led and had six leaders in voice discuss and give suggestions on how to market voice skills. It's obviously a different model when you're talking about pushing your own voice products. Now, obviously, for the people that we work with from a client perspective uh, here at Vixen or you know, a Pragmatic, it's a different story. So, Jen, just maybe tell us a little bit about some of the things that if people are starting down this road, um, they might want to think about, particularly if they're brand owners or they're getting into it for the first time. What are the, some of the things that you know, we've been seeing coming up regularly with them? I think it's all, I mean, there is um, a huge education piece in terms of, so people know that games exist on Alexa. That's probably one of the only things that people are comfortable with. They well know, done, Tom. Yeah, well done, Tom. And they know that they can do that. It's one of the like the the first examples of things that uh, um, like Magic Door and things like that. That was one of the first things that are out there and they had huge success and people feel comfortable playing games on Alexa. It's safe territory, right? If you're looking at um, brand experiences, whether or not that's... Um, very overtly brand experiences or more sort of like um, low key or sort of like back foot brand experiences, people aren't going to know that they're out there. And I think that's where there's this kind of slightly different approach. I, I'm i not a game developer, but I totally can see and, and actually agree with Tom's point. I think for brand, it's like a twofold thing. First of all, it's saying, oh, by the way, we are on Alexa. Cool. Just so you know, full stop. And then the second thing is saying, oh, and by the way, our presence, our skill, our flash briefing, whatever it might be, does these things. Oh, and by the way, some of these things might be things you've never done with Alexa because you might be that segment of uh, segmentation of the population who are just turning lights on and off, playing some games, setting timers, and are just sort of like kind of, you know, just feeling their way out, what they're comfortable with and what they're not. And, you know, for a brand experience that might be just um, kind of um, content information that might not be so much of an education on how to use it. Um, it's got to your point before, you know, on the more complicated app builds back in the day, you know, we had explainers of what it was and how you could use it and what it does. And I think that's an important part. So I think understanding what it is your skill is doing what is the use case for it? So what is actually going to be the applicable scenario for that audience so that they can relate and go, oh, this is a thing I get my kids to do when they're brushing their teeth. This is a thing I do when I'm wanting to relax and go to bed. This is a thing when I'm cooking, you know, get them to attach to that situation as opposed to a game. They're like, I'm going to play a game when I want to play a game and be entertained. Like you already know that use case. For best use case episode is Matt Smith, the CEO of Speak2, with saving a company money with voice. Matt's company has built a software that interacts with voice devices to help adult living facilities save time and money while keeping their residents happy, less lonely, and meeting their customer service needs. Your website had mentioned that 10,000 people turn 65 every day, and about 70% will need long-term care. So this is a great place for voice to be. 
Can you talk a little bit about how your company works with the pull cord system and describe what a pulled cord system is for those that don't know, and then take us through the process of exactly how Speak2 works? Sure, sure. So pull cord systems, we, what we generically call pull cord systems, are systems that are in a person's room so that they can alert the staff of an emergency. So in many cases, in some of the older buildings, it literally is a cord to the wall that might have like a little red knob on it. Um, and there's usually one in the bathroom and one in the bedroom. And they pull the cord and it sends an electrical signal to the front desk and alarm goes off and they can see by you know, a red light on the desk which room was it that asked for the help. These have been replaced in many situations with uh, pendant systems where it's something that a resident might wear around their neck. And now instead of having to pull a cord on the wall, they can actually just press the pendant wherever they are. Obviously, if someone falls or has an emergency, they may not be able to get to the wall to pull on a cord. So the pendant is, is much better. There's actually a little bit of a stigma to wearing the pendants in these communities. So that's another reason why voice is so powerful, because obviously they can interact with an Amazon Echo Dot or a Google Assistant from anywhere within the room. The way our system works is we collect requests directly from the, the smart speaker. We route them through our cloud-based service to the appropriate people within the facility. So they'll, you know, if someone says, hey, I'm hungry, Alexa, tell speak to that I'm hungry, an alert will go to food services. And depending on the sentiment or the details around that request, they may get more information. They might say, I'm hungry for a snack or I'm hungry for a meal or what's on the menu today. And it can actually read the menu to them. So there's a whole voice interaction that can take place to get more specific requests to the right people. And it's all just based on our cloud-based workflow. The way we interact with the pull cord systems and the pendant systems is pretty simple. We just interface with whatever the existing system is, a signal sent in addition to sending the emergency signal to whatever their existing emergency system is, we also get a signal in parallel so that if someone's walking with one of our devices and they may not be in a situation where they're hearing the alarm or they're in a space where maybe they don't have their beeper, they'll still get the alert in our system. And the real power of it is that we're now combining all of the voice requests with the emergency requests as well. So we're able to provide better statistics to the, the resident's family and to the facility so that they have a, a broader picture of what's being asked for by the residents in their facility. For best speaker preview is Dave Izbitsky, the evangelist for Amazon Alexa. In this episode, he chats with fellow co-host Pete Erickson, the founder of Voice Summit, about why and how voice is growing and what he was going to bring to his keynote for the 2019 Voice Summit. I mean, we're headed to zero UI, right? And it's happening in B2B as well, right? So I think that there's platform fatigue, right? You can only manage so many platforms and so many dashboards before it yeah. starts to get crazy. And we've seen companies come along and then capitalize on that. Look at Mint, uh, what they did for managing all our different financial services, right? They became a huge company and uh, yeah. sold for a big number because they took that UI and made it easier. But I think that that's where I see the future going is that it's kind of that zero UI day. And I know that's not where we are right now. We, because you're still going to focus on building a skill, right? You're still going to do that. But how somebody accesses that skill, you're right. The app store is going to change. And what's interesting is it depends on how controversial I want to get when I, uh, or how much of their attention I want them to really lean in, right? And so there's a couple of things, especially with brands that they'll really lean in on. Um, one of them is if I say something like the era of the app store is over, it's dead. And they're like, what, wait, wait, what? Like, that's all I have is apps. And, and you can point to all of the studies that talk about how many apps people actually do update and keep 
on their phone. And the interesting part is it doesn't change anything. It's vernacular, right? Is that we've always, like when, when I tell people, I'm like, your iPhone there, are you using the app or are you using your iPhone or your Android phone, right? I have a, I have a Pixel 3, right? It's like, you're using that device. And what I've seen with voice is you do see people asking Siri and Alexa and Google Assistant on their phones for information that years ago would have been hidden in the apps, Right. And so you've already kind of seen that shift. And other than a game, right, which a game is a specific modality. And I would argue that even when you're playing that game, it's not the phone. Like when I see my kids playing Fortnite on their phone, they're playing Fortnite. The phone just becomes the controller. Right. So it kind of changes that modality. It's really not a mobile app anymore. It, it's a very different kind of experience. And I can talk about gaming on in, in voice and, and all of that as well. But I see that type of shift comes too. And then the second thing, which really gets them excited is I said, especially if you're up, if you're a company that was born on the internet, you may never have had a brick and mortar store where people walk in. And so I'm like, when's the last time that you got to talk to your customer every day on their own terms rather than some guardrails that you created in a mobile app that they haven't updated in six months on their old phone, you know? And I'm like, that data is invaluable because they're going to tell you what they want from you. Those type of two things, I think, gets people out of the shell of this is just another app store. It's just another tech I need to learn and un- into that what I was talking about again in this voice error of what's really changing. Right? And the people that cater to that are going to be the ones that increase their customer connection. <laughs> they increase their brand loyalty in this age versus what they had because their customers are feeling heard. For best how-to episode is Blandine Abbott with How to Transition into a Career in Voice. More and more people are wanting to get involved in voice as a career, but don't know where to start or how their skills could translate. Blandine gives an incredible overview of how to make the transition into voice in a step-by-step framework. So I just want to name back some that you mentioned because there's a lot here, which is very exciting. So of course, you said developers and engineers. We also have UX researchers, linguistics, conversational designers, product managers, project managers, marketing managers, brand strategists, consultants, voice actors. There's a whole realm of kind of these new jobs that are now available. What kinds of skills translates to the voice tech world? So of all these that you listed, how would somebody know which one would fit them best since voice is so new if they've never worked in that area before? Well, because of my own background, I'm more qualified to talk around uh, the sort of business and user experience side of it. Um, I'm not qualified to um, go deep into the skills required for developers or engineers. But when it comes to business and user experience, um, I think the most, well, the first skill that would be something you can um, translate from from another industry is the ability to understand user needs and to translate these user needs into features that will actually solve a problem and deliver value. So it sounds like something you've heard in other industries, but that's still true. Like even skills that seem to be built just for fun, and uh, there are quite a few fun ones um, that you can try, they actually cater for a need because we all need to love daily. Apparently, it's something that is uh, proven to be really healthy. So in an ecosystem, just like in any other ecosystem, each skills has really to serve a purpose and um, the ability to understand this purpose and uh, make it happen um, in a voice skill is a, is a very um, important skill. The second skill um, to me would be the obsession for improving user experience in the long run. 
So when I worked at Dashbot, uh, I had the opportunity to hear these words from Kirk Owen, the VP of development at Zap Media, that really sums it all. Uh, he said, launch is day one. And I believe it's so true in voice that uh, voice actually has a product lifecycle management that is more important than in any other industry that I've witnessed. Uh, the reason is that um, actually the behavior of the user and the behavior of the voice assistant evolve with regular interactions. Um, user are, users are starting to ask for more complex requests. The voice assistants get better at understanding. So it's a real skill to manage this uh, life cycle and uh, use analytics for defining a meaningful KPI to follow and pursue and uh, make sure that um, you keep evolving your product um, in a meaningful way to keep engagement as high as possible. So there are mainly skills that product marketing managers would have as I had in my previous industries um, and that could be transferred into the voice world. For most interesting episode is Steve Keller, the Sonic Strategy Director at Pandora with blending science and art to explore how sound affects mood. In this episode, Steve chatted with one of our guest hosts, Janice Mandel, about why he says he's an audio alchemist and how he's blended his skills and passion into a useful, meaningful, and fascinating career. Where do you get started as a brand? It sounds to me like you have been pushing the edge on this, sort of looking toward the future of these things and just you know, going where that instinct leads you. And you have just met a community, the voice first community or the voice community. And it's just doing the same. It's just looking out at its uh, new frontier. Yeah. So what? how would they get started? How do companies get started? I think the voice first conversations have really helped raise the profile of audio for brands. If we kind of step back for a second and look at the use of sound in a, a commercial setting for brand messaging, there's never been any question that it's powerful. We all know that. We know that it affects us emotionally. We can think of those times in our lives when there's a particular song that might be associated with an event. It triggers different memories for us. Sounds will do the same thing. So that's never been a question. But the problem is when you look at brand behavior towards sound, you'll find that traditionally when it's thought about, it's the last thing in the chain. The campaign's already been done. If you're lucky, you may have thought about music at the beginning. But sometimes uh, it's an afterthought that happens in the editing bay. You have a script and eventually you get to a point where you think, well, somebody's going to have to read this, so I guess I need a voiceover. Maybe you think about sound design. But it's all a tactical execution. And, you know, those of us who have been practicing audio branding and thinking about sonic strategy have for quite a few years saying, what happens in a world where you can't see the brand? What happens in a world where there's no text involved and it's just your ears? How will people know that it's you? And what's happened in this world where we, we no longer have screens in front of us, where we're interacting with brands and, and communicating with our devices using our own voices, and they're speaking back to us, this is what I call the age of audio disruption. It's the new frontier. It's the ability for a renaissance to happen, and brands now are waking up and realizing, oh, wait, we are in this world. How are you going to communicate with us? How are you going to recognize us? So the good news is 
these conversations are driving brands to start thinking and becoming more intentional in their use of sound. The bad news is that we're creatures of habit, which means if we're not careful, we simply go automatically to that tactical execution. Oh, I need an audio logo. Oh, I need an Alexa skill. I need something for my Apple HomePod or for Google Play. And so in that race to get the tactical execution, the strategy is often forgot about again. For Rising Star in Voice is Nimesh Solanke in developing voice skills as a student. Nimesh was also Voice Summit's top voice ambassador for 2019 and is leading the way in his university in developing voice skills in India. He has the passion and the work ethic to make it quite far in the voice tech space. So with both of these things that you created, and I said the Amazon Alexa one is newer, you're still working on, but the Google Assistant one that you did for the students... What has been some of the results? Have you seen a lot of people using it? Has there been monetization? What's kind of been some of the results from creating these two things? In Google Assistant, that action which I was talking about, that crossed more than 1,000 conversations within 10 days of publishing that action. So actually, uh, the main purpose was to solve the problem, not to gain, like, not to monetize out of that application which I developed for the students. But this one, the quotes which I talked about, that is mainly focused for monetizing. So it is currently working progress. I hope it comes out well. For favorite episode of all time is Anna Pugh with improving audio clarity in voice UX. Sometimes it's the people who are not directly in an industry, but close to it, who offer the best perspective and insight. Anna is a hearing therapist audiologist and in her episode brings a wealth of knowledge in how voice can improve for those hard of hearing. Her insight is valuable to anyone in the voice tech industry. Can you give maybe an example when you're talking about, you know, as we get older, some people start to lose certain sounds or Mm -hmm. understanding of sounds. So Mm -hmm. when somebody is doing conversational design, meaning they're deciding, you know, the words that they're using that the voice technology is responding to with, can you maybe give an example of the type of sentence or words that might be of a challenge and kind of an example of something that would be maybe a better option for somebody to be using? Yeah, I think it's always the sibilant and and fricative sounds that we lose the most. For example, when I'm first fitting hearing aids, one of my initial conversations with people is to check how well they hear fricative. So I'd say something like sizzling sausages for supper on Saturday and to see how well they're hearing those sibilant and fricative sounds. And sometimes what happens when I'm doing auditory training with people is that I might offer alternative sentences and alternative structures so that we use different words and different diphthongs, different consonant sounds so that we can get more clarity. So quite often just repeating a word, I said sausages, I said sausages, I said sausages, doesn't help somebody because once they caught the first part of the sentence and your brain hears and understands a different word, repeating that word will just reinforce your perception of that word. So you need to stop, take a breath and think about another word similar or say it in a different way. So say the sentence slightly differently. When we talk about auditory training, we're talking to people about helping their partners and the people that they work with and the people that they love to use language in a slightly different way so that it will help them. And when we talk about using voice technology, 
We need to be very alert to the type of voices that we're talking about. When we use women's voices, obviously the fundamental frequency of women's voices are always harder to hear because we're losing the beginnings and ends of words. So we need a lower pitch voice always. And we need to think about the words that they're using to alert people to whatever the direction is. It quite often happens for basic things like sat-navs where people will change the voice to another lower-toned female voice or quite often a male voice because they're easier to hear over the car noise. And it's subtle things like that that you're not recognizing are because you're not hearing the consonant sounds, you're not hearing clarity of speech. But those coping strategies happen very subtly. And voice is obviously part of, voice technology is definitely part of what's going on with that. Thank you all so much for listening and congrats to our winners. You can listen to their full episodes by going to the links in the show notes and be sure to subscribe to the Inside Voice podcast on your favorite podcast player to stay up to date on all things voice tech and voice summit related. Thank you for listening to the Inside Voice podcast. We greatly appreciate you being a part of our community. And if you enjoyed this episode or you like the podcast, we would love it if you would subscribe, follow, like, share, leave a review of the show. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, people you want to see on the show, things you want to learn, feel free to send us an email at keri at modev.com. That's K-E-R-I at M-O-D-E-V.com. And be sure to check us out online at voicesummit.ai. Thank you, and we look forward to chatting with you next week.